Good morning. Let's stand and sing together. Our call to worship is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Welcome to Memorial. We're excited to have everybody here this morning. We're going to sing some Christmas music, not exactly traditional Christmas music so much this morning, but some of our favorites um, that we do as a praise band. So our first one's called Jesus Light of the World. Let's sing that together. <laughs> Show us the way to 
bow your heads and pray with me, please. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this season and for this time just to come and to celebrate you, Lord, and to celebrate the birth of your son. We're so excited and we're filled with anticipation for that Christmas morning, Lord. Help us this morning as we're here to worship, to focus on you, to focus our hearts and to focus our minds, and just to come and to praise your name, Lord. Help us just as we go throughout this week to take this message and this feeling, this special Christmas feeling with us, and just to share it with as many people as we can. In your name I pray. Amen. Yeah. 
your neighbor and children we will invite you to come sit on the rug and join us for a few moments of sharing Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Um, Jenna, will you shine this flashlight on me? Shine that flashlight on me. Okay, Eli, can I borrow my mirror? Okay, I want y'all to watch this. What happens when I hold this mirror up to the light that Jenna is shining on me? It shines back on everybody else, right? Okay, thanks, Jenna. I wanted to show you that little experiment to get started on our children's sermon this morning. Have you ever been outside on a really bright and sunny day and used a mirror to reflect the sun like that? No? Well, that's what would happen. Really? Yeah. Well, that's what would happen, kind of the same thing like we just did. If you held up a mirror and kind of reflected the sun, what would happen? It would kind of bounce back on everything else, Morgan? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, it kind of reflects the light. Well, if I'm going to use the mirror to reflect the light on you, what do I have to do with the mirror? It has to face the light, doesn't it, Christy? Because if it doesn't face the light, it's not going to reflect anywhere, is it? Well, the Bible tells us that there was a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. Who do you think the light was? Right. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. So you already told me that that true light is Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. So you and I want to be like John. Why do we want to be like John, Isabella? Right, we want to be like John was and reflect whose light? To everyone else, exactly. So we have to do a couple things. Just like we had to hold that mirror the right way to reflect the flashlight in our little experiment this morning, we have to do a few things to be able to be a witness to the light of Jesus. We have to, just like that mirror, always keep our faces turned toward Jesus. Just like that mirror had to be toward the light for it to reflect. And there's something else. We can't let anything else come between us and Jesus. Because if something was blocking my mirror, what would happen? The light wouldn't reflect, would it? So does that make sense? How we're going to be a witness to God's light? Do what? Kind of. It is kind of hard to understand. But hopefully you can remember a little bit of how we can reflect Jesus' light to others. Okay? Will you bow your heads and repeat after me? Dear Jesus... We want 
to reflect your light in the world. Help us to keep our faces turned toward you. And help us to keep anything from coming between us and you. Amen. Next, next week's sermon will have to be Who's Eclipsing the Sunlight? Thank you, Andy. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're here. Um, if you have a prayer concern that you would like us to share with you, we invite you to fill out an index card that's passed to you in a moment and uh, raise your hand so our ushers can see where you are. And if you'll fill something out, uh, I will share your concern with those here and we will join you in praying uh, about your concern. Let's see, a lot going on in these days. Uh, children are reminded of no activities tonight, taking a little break because of the busy season. Uh, the youth tonight, the junior highs only will be meeting and, the, and that's for their junior high party. The senior highs will not be meeting. Their time is next week. Um, Next Sunday morning at 7.45 a.m., the United Methodist Men's Club will be having a breakfast uh, over in our social hall. So I uh, hope that you men will come a little early that day before this service and uh, take advantage of some good fellowship and good food that will be there as well. Um, this coming... Saturday night, boy, time is just getting away from us. The concert, uh, the, the, of course, the, the choir is having their special music program this morning, but the praise band will be having our um, annual Christmas concert next Saturday night at 7 o'clock right here. Uh, we invite you to be present for that as we share that time. And a real exciting thing, the the preacher of a, a big city, big church has invited us to come tomorrow night and sing. Okay, Andy's the preacher and Slater's the big city. But anyway, we're going places. <sighs> Huge city. We're going to be performing for his congregation up in Slater uh, tomorrow night. So, But uh, anyway, hope to see you Saturday night. Got a call last night telling me that Chuck Hendricks Charles Hendricks is in uh, Mayor Black Hospital. He had a fall last week and was treated and released. That didn't, didn't seem to be too serious, but uh, Friday he had some complications and was rushed to the hospital and put in intensive care, but doing some better now. So uh, please keep uh, Chuck in your prayers today. If you are ready with your prayer cards, uh, if you will raise them up, our ushers will come and collect them. We had a wonderful experience in here on Thursday night at the end of a basketball practice when a, one of our children saw us checking it, you know, setting up the equipment and asked Jimmy, Jimmy Fowler says, aren't you too old to play the drums? So I don't know.
I didn't, I didn't know that there was a uh, sunset clause on playing drums, but apparently this young man thought so. <laughs> we got them all. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we're grateful for this opportunity to come and share these concerns together with you. And we are thankful for this blessed season where we are reminded that you love us and your gift to this world is an expression of your deep love, not just for the church, not just for Christians, but for all people, all of us who are sinners everywhere and for all of your creation. And we're thankful for this and we celebrate your generosity and love. Here are our special prayers for this day, Lord. We pray for family members with major health issues, for Daryl Drudge, David McGuire, um, Doris Bush, and Tracy Coy. We pray for Kristen Godwin as she makes some important life changes. We pray for a brother who is in ill health. We pray for Kathy who is looking for a job for a newborn baby, Jude, who is very sick. We pray for Natalie Padron, who was hospitalized this week. We pray for those in nursing homes and their families. We remember the Weiss family at this time and the Edwards family. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for healing for Michael Haas and Martha Gibson. We pray for B.J. Watkins, who is under care of hospice. Lord, these are our special prayers for this day. And we pray in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but lead from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time we will light the uh, Advent wreath with Ryan, Megan, and Mason Howard leading us. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Luke 2, 9b-12. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king.
have two brief scripture lessons this morning. The first is from Luke chapter 3, just two verses. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. And then from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul is writing these words. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest, rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Here ends the reading. Strength and weakness. You know, there was a time many years ago when I was almost as good as Andy in working with the youth in churches. One of the programs that I did with various youth groups every time a, a crop changed and we had a new group was to ask them to get a sheet of paper and to divide it into two parts. In the left column they were to write down all the good things that they could think about about themselves. Things they felt good about. Their gifts, their talents. In the right column they were told to list some of their weaknesses and shortcomings. Things they didn't like about themselves. Since these were typical teenagers, their lists were predictable. They worked really hard to find anything good about themselves that they could say, but their lists of the bad things in their lives filled up two pages, some of them. I don't have any patience. I hate my braces. I weigh too much. I'm too short. I got a big nose. Their negative list went on and on and on. Now they expected me to ask them how they were going to improve upon their deficiencies. You know, what they gonna have, a, a nose job or something, you know? Uh, what were they gonna do to fix these shortcomings? But then I kind of shocked them when I said, hey, anybody can use their strengths for God's glory. That doesn't take any talent. I want you to sit there a few minutes and decide how you might could use your weaknesses for the glory of God. How might God use your weaknesses for his glory? You'd have thought that I had stopped speaking English and started speaking Zwahili. That just did not compute. Finally, one teenager spoke up and said, well, maybe her weakness made her able to feel empathy for other people in their times of weakness. Perhaps her big nose made her more sensitive to the feelings of others around her. Someone else talked about humility being a good virtue. 
Maybe weaknesses have a way of keeping us from becoming proud and conceited, and therefore a weakness could be used by God to bring humility to us. Before the night was over, the youth not only had grown from opening up to one another and sharing their struggles and weaknesses with each other, but they began to feel better about the fact that they had weaknesses and shortcomings. And they began to think of their weaknesses as strengths, things that God might be able to use in his work. Now, one of the themes of the Christmas story, and indeed of the entire Bible, is that God enjoys using human weakness more than strength, human strengths for his glory. Throughout history, God has made a habit of choosing weak people to confound and confuse the wise. He chose Moses in spite of the fact that Moses complained that he wasn't a good speaker. God chose Gideon to lead an army in spite of the fact that he was a chicken, and yet he was the general who led the people to victory. He chose Amos to be a preacher, and Amos complained, I'm not a preacher, I'm a tree trimmer for goodness sakes. In one of our lessons today, we hear how God chose John the baptizer, another one who was weak, at least by society standards. Luke writes that when Tiberius was Caesar of Rome, when Pontius Pilate was governor of all Judea, when Herod was the king of Galilee, Annas and Caiaphas were the high priest, God sent his word to somebody else. He ignored all those powerful people and he found a powerless people, a, a, a powerless person, nobody named John in the wilderness. That's about like saying when Barack Obama was president of the United States, Nikki Haley was governor of, the, of South Carolina, Jim DeMint and Lindsey Graham were in the Senate, and Arthur Holt was a memorial United Methodist Church pastor, the word of God came to an uneducated, homeless man living on the streets of Greer. You see, God always has a way of overlooking the rich and famous and powerful and choosing a weak one in some wilderness to speak to his people like he did John. God's use of weakness is also shown in how Christ came to us in the world. In Philippians 2, we're told that uh, through Christ, that though Christ was God, Jesus didn't flaunt that. Instead, he humbled himself and emptied himself of his divine rights and authority and became a willingly weak servant. Who would have ever guessed that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords wouldn't be born in a palace, but would instead would be born in a barn, parented by a very young woman and a peasant carpenter, who would think that such a significant birth would be totally unnoticed except by a few shepherds and some foreign astrologers and by a jealous king who wanted to find and kill the Christ child? It is truly a wonder that Jesus survived infancy. Christ came in weakness so that in his weakness, God's power might be made obvious. For you see, only a God who was in complete control and who knew that he was in complete control would dare to call people like Moses and Gideon or come to this world in fragile infant form. If God had been weak, 
Jesus would have stepped out of heaven directly, full grown, with bodyguards all around him. There wouldn't have been any human parents who might could have messed it up. And under no circumstances would he dare risk death on a cross for us, not if God was weak. But to, to assure us of his love for us, even in our times of weakness, and to show how he can use weakness for his glory, Jesus came to us as he did. And in the Christmas story, we hear God shout, you know, I do rule the universe, and so it's okay if you're weak. I am strong. I will use you anyway. Let me be the Lord of your weakness. Allow me to use your weakness for my glory. Let me depart from the Christmas story to point to another example of God's delight in using weakness. Just look at your, your Bibles and how they came to you. Many people would prefer it if God had dictated word for word what was written down. But that's not how it happened. God, who is in control, allowed human beings to experience his love and presence and his word, to hear it and live it, and then write down their experiences with the living word of God. Then he even allowed other human beings to assemble in councils to decide to put those great writings together into a volume that we call the Bible. Using who wrote it as one of the reasons for inclusion and the other reason was does it testify regarding salvation through Jesus Christ for us. These humans guided by God's Spirit left some writings out and included what was included in our Bibles. Now you talk about a sovereign Lord of the universe who's in control, only God, who is the Lord of the universe, would allow weak human beings to have a part in the transmission of his spoken word to this planet. Clearly in its pages we see the hand of God. His truth has been proven reliable time and time again, and only a God who was Lord of the universe would dare to enter our world as a weak, helpless little baby born in a barn to poor parents with no power or clout. Just as Jesus is both God and human, so the Bible is both a divine and a human book through which God can speak to us today, saying, see, it's okay if you're weak. I love weakness. I can use that. Then there was the Apostle Paul situation. It's clear to scholars that Paul was talking about himself earlier in 2 Corinthians 12 when he says, hey, I know a man who was taken up into paradise and saw things so amazing that he can't put them into words. Paul had been to heaven, either in a vision or an actual visit. He wasn't sure which, but he said, I won't boast about that. Instead, I'll boast about my weakness because God's power is seen best in my life when I am weak. Paul had a thorn of some kind in his flesh, a weakness of some sort. He never told us exactly what it was. Perhaps he left that issue vague on purpose so that you and I could think about our own thorn in the flesh, seeing whatever weakness we might have as our thorn. Some scholars think that Paul was 
uh, a victim of some physical ailment like poor eyesight. And Paul did have to dictate his letters. And one time he said, I'm writing these with my own, with my own hands. See the big letters that I use? He probably couldn't see the right little letters. He also had a red hot quick temper and he could be very stubborn, even unforgiving and unyielding at times. Whatever his thorn in the flesh was, God had left it with Paul, even though Paul had prayed and prayed and prayed, asking God to remove it. It served God's purposes by keeping Paul a little off balance, not totally self-dependent, but instead dependent upon Almighty God. It kept Paul weak, so that God could be strong. You see, people don't need to see or didn't need to see a perfect Paul, and neither do they need to see you pretending to be perfect either. If we appeared to be perfect, others would say, I can't be like that. If that's what a Christian is, I can't be that. I'm not as strong as you are. But if in our weaknesses and struggles, they see God working with us, helping us to continue overcoming in life, living in spite of our weakness, then they will have the courage to say, maybe Christ will work for me too. There are some wonderful, excellent preachers in our conference, but some of them have had a greater impact upon me than others because of the storms in life they have weathered that I have watched. I think about my mentors in ministry, Jim Nates and Julian Lazare, both uh, quite elderly now. J uh, Julian is in his 80s and Jim is in his late 70s. They continue to pro proclaim the love and goodness of God in spite of the fact of some of the things that they've been through. Jim's firstborn son, Herbie, died of leukemia at age 12. Both of Julian's sons died during their young adult, young adult years. Their faith has been tested by fire and God's power shines through them in their weakness. When they stand up and talk about God's love, I listen because they paid the price and they can still talk about the goodness of God. Do you realize how our human weaknesses have served the human family? Much of what you and I call progress has come about because of our weaknesses and laziness. We invented money because it was easier to carry in our, around with us in our pockets and, uh, the, and to barter with than animal skins. That was a little bulky to carry along. There's a great improvement that we came upon. <clears throat> we have indoor plumbing now because we're too weak to appreciate a cold outhouse this time of year. Cars were invented because they could carry us further than our weak legs could. Modern heating came about because we're too lazy to chop wood like Andy does, and our bodies are too weak to withstand cold weather. Our weaknesses have compelled us to find an easier way to do things. I, too, have learned to rejoice in my humanness and weaknesses. I used to really kick myself a lot, but I don't anymore. I have learned that God can use even my weaknesses if I let him have them. You know, there are some people in this world that think that there are only three, that there are rather, three kinds of people in the world, men, women, and preachers. Taint true. 
You wouldn't believe how many people resist the call to preach because they know they aren't perfect and they feel like they should be. Lord, you can't be calling me, not me for sure. But you know, God calls us weaklings because it's easier for you to see God's power showing through from within us weak vessels. I'm so thankful that I've struggled with many doubts during my lifetime. Those doubts and questions drove me to find answers. They even drove me to go to seminary so I could find answers. It's so liberating to learn that you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You can just be weak because that's when God can use you best. So what's your weakness? Want to make it a strength? You want to find an asset in your liabilities? Then give it to God and let him use it. He will send you to others to share your story of your weaknesses and you will be comforting to them. You can join me in saying this prayer. God, I give you all that I have and I even give you all that I am not. The ministry of John the baptizer and the Christmas story assure us that it's fine to be weak as long as we're trusting in our strong God. Let Jesus, who came robed in weakness, embrace you today just as you are. If you let him, God will use your weaknesses for his glory and will turn your liabilities into assets. Amen. I invite you to stand as we together affirm our faith in God with the words of the Affirmation of Faith Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Worship God now as we receive our morning offering. Nothing's ever touched my soul 
like a virgin's lullaby. Tears when he got his food. 
Almost everything about this little baby was as natural as it could be. But this baby made the angels sing, and this baby made a new star shine in the sky. This baby had come to change the world. This baby was God's own son. This baby was like no other one. This baby was God with us. This baby was Jesus. Like his complexion and the sound of his voice There was the work to be done as a carpenter's son And all the neighbors said he's such a fine boy But this boy made the angels sing And this boy made a new star shine in the sky This boy had come to change the world This boy was God's own And the death that he died He showed us heaven with his hands and his heart Cause this man was God's own son This man was like no other one Holy and human Right from the start Yeah may you go forth daring to be human and embracing your weakness and giving it to Almighty God that he might use even that for his glory. Amen. Jesus Christ is born. 
great week.